Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. So I want to teach you on a subject today, if I can, on the anointing. And it's not a topic that's, you know, so much heard about, maybe in roundabout ways we've talked about the anointing, ministered the anointing uh, in our circles. But the anointing is, is something that I believe uh, we're, 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 we're missing the true concept of, of what it means to be anointed and uh, to live an anointed life and to receive the anointing on our lives and why we need the anointing in our lives. If you'll go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16, and starting with verse one, it says, now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. So all that Samuel the prophet knows is that he's going to Bethlehem and there's a man there named Jesse Jesse has sons, and out of these sons, God has chosen the new king, the new king to take over for the previous king who was anointed king by God, King Saul. But King Saul uh, took the anointing and began to use it for personal gain. Saul uh, began to live for his own pleasures and his own benefits and his own ways rather than ruling Israel and living for God's ways. And anytime you do not remain submitted to God's authority, you will be removed from your authority. God will not allow you to remain in a position of authority or operate in a position of authority if you don't remain submitted to his. And so now King Saul, uh, he's pushed it too far. In the previous chapter, he was told to go into an Amalekite land and wipe out all the Amalekites, but instead he decided to keep things back for himself, blamed it on the people. Prophet Samuel confronted him. He lied about it. Prophet Samuel said, God is taking the kingdom away from you today. And he has chosen a new man. So now Samuel is on this hunt as God leads him for the next man. And if you Jump on down to verse four. So Samuel did what the Lord said, went to Bethlehem and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab. Eliab is the oldest and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. This is Samuel looking on Eliab's outward appearance, looking at his stature, looking at his age, looking at his demeanor, uh, looking at uh, his place within the lineage of Jesse. This is the first one. There's a a lot to be said about the firstborn. The firstborn had a lot of uh, rights and privileges, benefits, even that the other sons did not have access to. And so he's thinking right off the bat, this is it. I mean, you know, I don't even need to know how many sons you have. This is the man. But this is what the Lord said in verse seven. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see 
as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The first thing I want you to know about the anointing is the anointing is not dependent on your past. It's not dependent on your present. It's not dependent on your uh, uh, failings, shortcomings. Uh, uh, It's not dependent on your skills, your abilities. It's not dependent on you uh, and what you've accomplished and what you've done. You need to know this, and this is why this is so important, is the anointing comes upon you for something you haven't even accomplished yet. You need to hear me today. The reason why you need the anointing of God on your life is to accomplish something you have yet to do. The anointing doesn't come on your life so you can keep doing what you're currently doing. So the very fact that the Lord is anointing you, the very fact that the Holy Spirit is empowering you, many times we want to use our past and our accomplishments and the things that we've done or the things that we haven't done or the things that have happened to us as indicators of what God wants to do in our life. But what you have to recognize is there is an assignment on your life that's greater than who you are. There's an assignment on your life for you to accomplish something greater than who you've been or who you are. Now, people, people will only see you based on what you've done and what you are doing. People do not have the ability outside of the Holy Spirit to see your future, what you can accomplish. But this is how God operates. God operates by faith. God wants to manifest his presence and his purpose and his will through your life. And he doesn't consult your past to determine your future. God doesn't consult your past to determine your future. There is greatness inside of you. There's something that you haven't even yet tapped into that you are able to do and able to accomplish and able to perform by the spirit of God. But you cannot do it on your own ability. You cannot do it on your own skill set. Even the prophet Samuel reduced an outer appearance of man to determine their ability to perform the function of God. This is why I'm saying you cannot limit what God wants to do in your life by what man says about you. Many times you'll find that man will have a different opinion about what your capabilities are than God does. And can I go even a step further? Many times it's the people closest to you that have the hardest time seeing the potential of God in you. It's the ones closest to you. Why? Because they know the most about you. They know what you haven't done. They know where you failed. They know where you fell short. 
Come on. There were eight sons that Jesse had. It was number eight. Number eight. See, many times God will pick the very opposite of what man would pick. That's why he picked Abraham, fatherless for 75 years, married to a woman that uh, could not bear children beyond, far beyond the years of childbearing age. And he picks him out and says, you're going to be a father of many nations. Not even fathered one child, but yet God says, you're going to be a father of many nations. Why? Because God wants to put his anointing on the least able. God wants the glory. God wants to reveal himself in and through your life, not in the areas that you would consider strengths, not in the areas that you would consider yourself capable, not in the areas that you would uh, uh, consider yourself that having the right skill set or even being qualified for. The people that God chooses, I mean, God chose a murderer of Christians in Paul to be the, the, or at the time his name was Saul, converted him to Paul, and he became the greatest advancement of the church. Now tell me how the one that is wiping out Christians left and right is actually the one that's the greatest advocator of Christianity. Only God. Only God. So I have to cover this before we go any further because it seems every time we talk about anointing or empowerment or potential or future or what God wants to do in your life, we immediately start coming up with all the reasons why he can't, why we're not, why we won't, why we won't do this and why we won't do that. And we start coming up with all the reasons why and maybe all the reasons why you're not the candidate is all the reasons why God picked you. Yeah. Maybe it's all the things that we keep listing to tell God why I'm not the right one, Moses. Come on, and if you think, if you think that you, if, well, if God told me, if I heard God's voice, uh, you know, if he showed up in my bedroom, Moses was kneeling in front of a burning bush that did not burn. What kind of sign do you think you need? Come on now. No, it doesn't matter how God presents your potential to you. You will always find ways to limit what God can do in your life. So we have to start right out the gate and recognize here in this passage, as we're seeing the prophet anoint the new king of Israel, he doesn't anoint the first son. He doesn't anoint the second son, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, or the seventh son. But he gets on down as we keep on reading. Uh, verse nine, then Jesse made Shammah pass by. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Samuel knows he heard from God. Samuel knows God spoke to him and said, this is the house 
that's going to bear the next king. So either he's in this, ha- in his, in this house, somewhere on this property, or you haven't even given birth to this child yet. Something, somewhere along the line, I know what God said. Where is he? Then he said, there remains yet the young. You know, you think maybe around number five, you start calling, they say, we're getting on further on down this list. I mean, maybe somebody ought to go get David just in case five, six, and seven don't work out. They didn't even bother inviting the guy. They, I mean, they got all the way through seven, almost as if they forgot he was there until we got through seven and then said, oh, you're right. My God, I, I, I feel so silly, prophet. I, I, Samuel, you, you have to forgive me. We have an eighth one. Uh, he's, he's out in the field. I mean, he's not even in the house. I, I just, I, I don't even know how it slipped my mind. What a horrible feeling to be forgotten. What a horrible feeling to not even be invited. But here's the thing. Just because you're not invited by man does not mean you're not chosen by God. It was the one that it wasn't invited by man that was chosen by God. God chooses what man forgets. God chooses what man disqualifies. God is choosing those that have been left out, left behind, forgotten, not invited. So what's your excuse? There remains yet the youngest. And there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him. And we will not sit down till he comes here. Can I tell you something? The world is waiting for you to rise to your potential. The world is, the world will not sit down till you show up. The problem will not be solved till you get empowered. The, the, the world's challenges and, and, and the struggles that they're facing, they're waiting for you to rise to what God has put inside you. And the world will not sit. The world will not wait. We will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and he brought him in. He was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him. This is the one. Arise, anoint him. This is the one. That's what God's saying about you today. That's what God is saying about you. Now, here's the thing. David was a shepherd boy. God was calling him to be a king over Israel. There's no way on earth a shepherd boy is a king. There's no way on earth that a young man that spends his time in the pasture is qualified or a candidate to be in a palace. It doesn't work this way. Naturally, on your own ability, your own skill set, what you've accomplished. And let me just go ahead and say this for those that maybe have great accomplishments. You've done great things. You've seen great things. You, you have uh, your, your own accolades, uh, your own scholastics. Let me tell you something. God isn't using those either. God is not picking people that are confident in themselves. 
I'm not saying be a lazy person out doing nothing. God is picking people that are doing something. God is uh, uh, picking people that are busy. God is uh, picking people that are working. God is picking people that are doing something. Look in the Bible. These people were busy doing something. Noah, Moses, Joshua, David. One of my favorites is Elisha. It says that Elisha was out. He was plowing fields behind 12 oxen. You know how stinky it is behind 12 oxen and you're at the very back and you're in a hot field plowing a field. He's working. He's doing something. He's putting his hand to something. And Elijah shows up and says, tag, you're it. God is looking for people that are doing something. There are people that have money in the bank. They have degrees on the walls. They've got great measures of influence, but aren't using it. It doesn't take much. You start right where you're at. You start right where you're at. The level of influence you have today is all you need. It's all you need. So he's picking a man that has spent more time in the pasture and he says, you're going to go to the palace. But here's the thing. Spiritual assignment demands spiritual assistance. A spiritual assignment demands spiritual assistance. To do the work of God, you need to be anointed by God. You need to be empowered by his spirit. If at times for those of us that have answered the call to a degree and you've begun to step out and you feel overwhelmed and you feel like it's too much, good. You're right where you're supposed to be. You're right where God God wants you. And you're saying, what am I doing running a business? I've never even taken a business class. You're saying, what am I doing helping other people with their marriage? My marriage seems to be crumbling. You're saying, what am I, how am I supposed to be helping other parents with their kids? God, have you seen my kids? And God is saying, I got you right where I want you because you're not gonna perform my purpose with your ability. You're gonna perform my purpose through your life with my ability. You need my anointing. You need my empowerment. You need my spirit upon your life. We need the anointing in our lives. It says there, uh, so as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought, anointed David with the oil and the spirit of the Lord. I said, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. The next thing you need to know about the anointing is, in essence, the anointing is simply spirit empowerment. Spirit empowerment. The anointing is not just for pastors. The anointing is not just for evangelists. Let me tell you something. I need the anointing to be on this stage and I need the anointing to steer a vehicle. More precisely, when somebody cuts me off. Guess what? I need the anointing. 
You don't know how many times I've driven to this church and uh, driven in a way that I'm not proud of. And then those people keep following me. And this thought goes in my head. If they are going to 416 Dale Drive, I'm not turning there. And there was one time they followed me. And so I drove right on past the church. One, I wasn't turning into church after just having cut somebody off. The second thing I was concerned about was, what if they go to my church? So I just kept on driving. They didn't turn, so good. I turned around, came back to church. (laughs) I need the anointing. You need the anointing to parent. Parents, you need the anointing to be a husband and a wife. You need the anointing to be a construction worker, a teacher, a first responder, military personnel, owner of a business, operating your finances. You need the anointing just to do what God has called you to do in any capacity. You need the anointing. Every single believer called by God needs the anointing. Spirit empowerment. It says here that the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Now in the Old Testament, Typically, the Holy Spirit only came upon three people, kings, priests, and prophets. Jesus had not yet gone to the cross. Jesus had not yet torn the veil that separated us from him. Jesus had not made his spirit available to come upon all men, all flesh. Genesis chapter six, uh, uh, right before the flood came, uh, uh, man was so evil, man was so sinful that God said, my spirit will not contend with man any longer. And he removed his spirit from man. And so now, the only ones typically in the Old Testament that were being anointed or being empowered for assignment, spiritual assignments demand spiritual assistance were the the kings, the priests, and the prophets. They were typically the only ones that the, 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 the anointing came upon. Now you've got the book of Judges and God would raise up Judges, Gideon, Samson, Deborah, uh, all, all kinds of judges throughout that book that the Holy Spirit came upon. But this was the thing. They needed the Holy Spirit to come upon them to perform the role and the function that God had destined for them. But now I want you to jump over to the book of Luke. Jump over to the book of Luke. And this is Jesus speaking. See, if you're not doing anything, then you don't need anointing. But if you're going to do anything great for God, you need his anointing on your life. Spiritual assignment demands spiritual assistance. 
in Luke chapter 4, God continues his template of using the people that are least likely. And so he says, you know what? We've got to save mankind. We've got to save man from from their sins. We need them filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit once again. If I'm gonna restore the kingdom, I've gotta get it back into man's hands. I've gotta get authority, this kingdom authority, back into their hands. I've got to send myself in the flesh. You know that God doesn't do anything in the earth without using mankind. If you're waiting for God to do something, he's probably waiting on you. I said a few weeks ago that mankind is waiting for a move of God, but God is waiting for a move of man. He's waiting for you and I. And continuing in that template, when he wanted to save mankind, guess what? He needed you and I. He needed flesh. Why didn't God just save man from heaven? He can't. He can't do it because God's not a liar. And in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, God gave authority and dominion to man. That's a being that is a flesh being that has a soul and houses a spirit. Spirit, soul, and body. Well, guess what? God does not fit those credentials. God is not a spirit, soul, and body. The Bible says that God is a spirit and all who worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. So when God spoke Genesis 1.26 into existence and said, let man have dominion, let him rule. In essence, he's saying, I cannot do anything in that realm any longer unless I go through man. So he's at a dilemma. He's the only one that can save mankind and he's the only one that cannot save mankind. That's quite the problem. That's quite a a struggle, quite a dilemma. So he said, I'm gonna have to find a way to put myself in flesh. And so he puts himself in flesh and Jesus doesn't come as a king. Jesus doesn't come uh, in in some great lineage. Jesus doesn't come uh, as a great, he's born in a barn. It's not even, you were born in a better facility than Jesus was born in. There wasn't even any room in the inn for the son of God, the king of glory, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's born in a stable, surrounded by animals, born on something that's designed to feed animals. That's where he's born. And so he says this in Luke chapter four. This is after he's been baptized. This is after he's been tempted by the enemy or by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And he gets up to minister one day in a, in a uh, temple. And in Luke chapter four, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. I said it earlier, but recognize that even Jesus is saying, I have to be anointed. I have to have the spirit of the Lord upon me. To do what? To preach, uh, to bring good news 
to proclaim that captives can be freed. Blind will see, oppressed will be set free. The Lord's uh, favor has come. Look at this, Jesus. If Jesus had to be anointed to do what he was called to do, so do we. Jesus is saying, I can't even do what I'm called to do on my own ability just because I'm Jesus, just because I'm the son of God. Remember, he came in flesh. He came as you and I. Uh, Hebrews tells us, uh, or Philippians chapter two tells us that uh, he considered himself not to be equal with God, but he, he, he put off his kingliness, he put off his royalty, he put off his sonship to God and he came down as you and I, as man. Therefore, guess what? He needed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. He needed the anointing to come upon his life. Well, if he needed the anointing, how much more do we? If he needed the anointing to do what he was called to do, how much more do you and I need the anointing? on our lives. The anointing does not come on your life to do what you're currently doing. The anointing comes on your life to do what God has called you to do. So he ministers this in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. In Acts chapter 10, in verse 38 says, and you know, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. That's what you can expect. Have you been feeling powerless? Have you been feeling like it's too big for you? Have you been feeling like uh, the task is too great? The assignment's too big? Have you been feeling like you're worthless, invaluable? You don't have enough? to accomplish what God's called you to do? There's an answer for that. It's called the anointing. He anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then Jesus, then Jesus. Jesus did not do one miracle until he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. In fact, if I can put it to you this way, nobody in the Bible did anything, any miracle, any sign, any wonder without the Holy Spirit upon their life. So who are we to think that we can do what God has called us to do without the anointing, without the Holy Spirit's empowerment? And I'm not just talking signs and wonders and miracles like what you're probably thinking. You're probably thinking about, uh, you know, blind eyes opening, deaf ears opening, legs growing out, uh, 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 lame people walking and running, demons being cast out. That's a lot of the signs and wonders that the word of God speaks about. But how many of you know sometimes it's a miracle to walk in love with your husband? <laughs> All the wives said Amen. I got Nick over here. He's old enough. He'll testify for himself. Some of us just aren't young enough to, to add, to, 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 to boast about it like Nick is. But he's lived a little while. He's seen some things and he's recognized, I need the anointing on my life to walk in love. I need the anointing on my, love, on my life to respond in love when I should and could respond in hate. I need the anointing on my life to handle my finances. I need the anointing on my life to raise up and parent these children, especially in these last days. I need the anointing on my life to play an instrument. I need the anointing. See, we, 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 we put the anointing in this box like, okay, when I need it, I'll go get it. 
Let me tell you something. For these men and women in the Bible, the anointing wasn't in a box that they went and got when they needed it. The anointing was on their life, evident and resident within their life. And when the time came that it needed to come out, it was there readily available. If you have to go get the anointing, then you're not using it the way God designed for you to use it. How can the church operate in the earth without the power of the Holy Spirit? You know what are some things that'll be evident when you're operating in the power of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Do you know that's called the fruit of the Spirit? A lot of times when we think about the power of the Holy Spirit, we think about the gifts of the, I need the power of the Holy Spirit operating in my life to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I also need the power of the Holy Spirit to operate in joy when fear is trying to come over me. I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life to operate in peace when anxiety is trying to overwhelm me. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to believe in someone when I can't see what I need to see in their life. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to be faithful when I want to be unfaithful, to operate in chaos uh, with self-control, restrictive and limiting myself, holding my tongue back. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I need his anointing. It says here in, in Acts 10, 38, that the Holy Spirit came upon him and power came upon him when he was anointed. In Luke chapter nine, Luke chapter nine, Jesus makes a transfer. Luke chapter nine and verse one, we've seen that David was anointed. He was spirit empowered, spirit equipped to do what God called him to do, to be a king when all he knew was to be a shepherd boy. But Luke chapter nine, verse one says, then he called his 12 disciples together. And gave them what? Power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Watch this. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now, the 12 disciples, in case you've got them up on a pedestal as well, the 12 disciples were a microcosm, if you will, they were a foreshadowing of what the church was supposed to look like. When we think church, we think about the, the regimented, uh, you know, every Sunday morning coming here, singing a few songs, hearing some verses, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and hanging out with a few other believers, doing the whole church thing. But the church was never an event. The church was a people. The church is you and I. The church wasn't just something that you put on a calendar. The church wasn't a place that you drive to. It wasn't a location. It wasn't a building. It wasn't an organization. It was a people. The church needs to be empowered just like these disciples were empowered. The church 
needs, what these disciples had. How did, and, and you could say in essence that Jesus anointed these 12 disciples to do what they were doing. The same thing that we saw before. They were anointed. David was anointed. The spirit came upon him. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. To do what? Preach, proclaim liberty, see blind eyes open. And that's not just natural blind eyes, that's spiritual blind eyes as well. Spiritual blind eyes are worse than natural blind eyes. Spiritual blind eyes, having a darkened uh, approach, having a closed-minded approach to the word of God. But this happens when we become empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is what happens when you are anointed to do what God has called you to do. Let's take it one step further. Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. If David needed the anointing, if Jesus needed the anointing, if the disciples needed the anointing, guess what? You and I need the anointing. Every single person in this room needs the anointing. I grew up where my mom anointed everything. She anointed our car. She anointed our house every time we moved to a new house. She anointed my clothes. If you go to Isaiah chapter 61, you don't have to turn there. You can just write it down. Isaiah chapter 61 and verse one is actually what Jesus was reading in Luke chapter four. He opened the book that at their time was the Bible and he was reading out of that passage in Isaiah 61. And they, everybody listening was fine with that. Okay, yeah, this guy gets up, he reads scripture, awesome. Later on down, a few verses down, he actually adds to it and he says, today in your presence, in your ears, th this scripture's been fulfilled and they all went crazy. Because basically he was saying, I'm the anointed one. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one Isaiah was writing about. He's standing before you right now in your presence. They didn't like that part. But that word anointing or anointed one is the Hebrew word Meshach. Meshach is later translated or is where we uh, uh, get the word Messiah Messiah in the Greek was translated Christos, which is Christ. Christ is not Jesus's last name. He's not Jesus Christ. Christ was a title. Christ was a description of who Jesus was and what to expect. Christ, that's where we get the word Christian. The word Christian literally means anointed ones. It literally means the people that follow after disciples of, learners of, pupils of the anointed one. Christians should be anointed. See, I told you we use the word all the time and just didn't realize it. I told you that it's more common than it is uncommon. We are to be anointed to do what God has called us to do. And so Ephesians chapter four, verse 11 says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, 
some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So every single one of those has the word some. So guess what that means? Not all will be pastors. Not all will be prophets. Not all will be apostles. Not all will be evangelists. Some. Some. We're talking about part of the group is going to do something to help the rest of the group. Verse 12, those five ministers that we just listed says in verse 12 that they were given their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of what? The body of what? That's not Jesus's last name. That's the anointed one. We are the body of the anointed one. And the church, the church, the responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. Guess what? You need the anointing. You need equipping. I need the Holy Spirit empowering me to do his work. What kind of church do we have in the last days? What kind of Christians do we have in the last days? What kind of believers do we have in the last days? We need anointed believers going into the workplace. We need anointed believers going into our churches. We need anointed believers going into our schools. We need anointed believers going into our communities. We need anointed believers. Let me put it to you this way. We need the anointing to operate as government officials. Come on. There are some people in this room, I don't know who you are, but you need to be running for office. We need your voice in government levels. We need you on board of commissioners and we need you on city councils and we need you running for mayor. We're getting ready to elect a new mayor right here in Valdosta. And thankfully for the last eight years, as long as I've been here, we've had a faithful, godly man in that office serving as mayor over the city of Valdosta. But I don't know what's coming. Would love to have an anointed individual in that office. That would be amazing. We need the anointing. We need the anointing, not just to lay hands on the sick. Yes, we need to do that. We need the anointing, not just to cast out demons. You need to do that. We need the anointing on our lives to, ex to express what the body of Christ should look like. Worship team, if you come. We need the anointing. We need the anointing. We need the Holy Spirit's empowerment. Guys, what you've done to this point on your own isn't even a tip of the iceberg of what God wants you to do and God wants you to accomplish. I try to make this as broad and, and, and relatable as possible. The anointing is not a feeling. The anointing is not an oil. The, the oil was merely a representation of the anointing. That's what that was. When Samuel anointed David with the oil, 
Come on, I mean, you can go to Lifeway and buy some anointing oil. You can Google it, Amazon. That's not the, that's not the anointing. The anointing is the empowerment of God on your life. You need to anoint your children, parents. And yes, you can anoint things. Things can be anointed. When something is anointed, it's consecrated and set apart. If you go back to the book of Exodus, when the tabernacle was put in place, and then you skip up to, to, to kings with Solomon and he builds a temple, they were anointing even the things in the temple things in the tabernacle. They were anointing the Ark of the Covenant. They were anointing even physical things. When Spencer and Cindy were with us, they said something that they used to do is they would put anointing oil on their tires and drive around their city and everywhere that the tread of their tires went, they were anointing their city. That sounds weird. That sounds kooky. You're weird too. Sounds like a great way to be intentional about praying for my city. Being intentional about God manifesting His presence here. Visiting this place. Seeing God move. Anybody want to see God move in Valdosta, Georgia? Anybody want to see God move? Man, we, we pray for revival. We're on our hands and knees. God, move. God, do something. And He's saying, I need you. I need you empowered by my Spirit. I need you anointed. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.